So I went to Canada to Western University, shout out Western University. Um, and I stayed inside for four and a half months, like inside my hotel room or my dorm room because it was so cold. I had never been to the snow before. And the first day I was there, it was negative six degrees with a wind chill of negative eight. Um, I walked backwards to class because the wind was blowing in my face. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Valerie, and I'm back with another episode of Perks of Being a Millennial. I hope you guys are having an amazing Monday, and I hope that all is going well for you. So, today's episode talks all about the working world. That's right, people. It's what most of, most of us adults have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Some good, some not so much. So today we have my good friend Lucas Long, and we're just going to dive into what it means to being a newly graduate and kind of looking for that dream job that most people go into school with the goal of having. Lucas gives a perfect representation and description of the things that some of you might even be experiencing right now with COVID. Um, he talks about different internships, unpaid internships that he had um, after graduation and how it all led him to this one moment where he was able to apply to a job, get, you know, five different interviews, and eventually he landed the job. I know that, speaking from experience, it's not always easy thinking that you're the most qualified candidate or thinking that you're even good enough to apply to a job. So if you're in that boat, I really hope that this podcast and this episode can help you through that really interesting time. So if you are in that exact state in life, please keep listening. This is a story about how not everything is going to be ideal and not everything is just going to be handed to you. But with hard work, with dedication, and with perseverance, you really can accomplish your goal of that dream job. So, without further ado, here is the interview. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's podcast of Perks of Being a Millennial. Today, I am with Lucas Long, and we're going to talk about life, work. So, Lucas, how are you feeling today? Uh, intimidated, because that's a lot of things to talk about. Um, so, yeah. The first segment that I, used, that I typically like to start off with is recommending anything that you've been loving this week or just in quarantine in general. Any books, um, songs, picked up any new hobbies? Um, I just finished a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. I think it's very interesting. A lot of people are like, well, it's of the, it's of the like theory that, oh, you know, television is bad for us. And a lot of people are like, oh, what a stupid thing. Everybody says that. But it's like, it makes the argument that like, yeah, junk TV and stuff like that's totally fine. Who cares? It's junk TV. Like, what do you expect? Right. It's not pretending to be smart. The yeah. real bad thing is like news and like all the Ben Shapiro's of the world that like are these faux intellectuals um, that give you one-sided arguments very quickly. And then you have an opinion, but you don't have any actual like reasoning for your opinion. So you're actually really dumb. Um, so that was a pretty enlightening, eye-opening thing. Then I've been watching a YouTuber named Sean, and I don't really know how, like, it's you can't Sean. just look him up. Yeah, you can't look him up because it's just Sean, but he basically just has, like, a lot of rebuttals to a lot of um, uh, outrage news and, like, reactionary news and things like that. And he explains things in a really, like, calm manner, which is really interesting. He's got an 
interesting debate on um, the death penalty and things like that. So I've um, been doing that in my spare time to keep myself a little bit sane. That actually sounds familiar. I was talking with, um, I think, one of my roommates, and we were talking about how when someone makes an argument really quickly and kind of loudly, the person thinks that the other one is right and fact, like fact-based, but in reality, yeah. they're just saying spewing out words. And so yeah. by like taking a step back, kind of can like depict their argument into like ways where it's not actually accurate. Yeah, exactly. So like, yeah. You look at the fallacies that, that exactly. people bring up and it's, it's kind of incredible. And I think people hopefully will start to realize that just talking fast doesn't mean you know what you're talking about um, and, and specifically in regards to Ben Shapiro and his idea that um, aroused females is some kind of medical condition. Um, if you don't, if you don't know about it, look it up on uh, online. He had a, he had a wild day on Twitter a week or two back. So uh, oh my goodness. didn't like the Cardi B Meg the Stallion song. We'll put it that way. Okay. I have to go back and look at that. That sounds very entertaining. Yes. Fantastic. Great day. Um, so like any music you've been loving lately? Music I've been loving lately. Um, I have been listening to Let's Groove by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, nice. Um, I've been listening to Golden Hour by Casey Musgraves. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, and Space Cowboy is another good one. Um, and I've been listening to a lot of dad rock lately, like a lot of the Eagles and Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and stuff. Yeah, so uh, is there something that you want to tell the audience here? Uh, I used to like dad, dad rock. rock. Hmm. I used to like, oh no, I used to like <laughs> dad rock when I was in the seventh grade. I am not a dad. I'm still a millennial um, in every way, shape, and form. Nice. I am in my mid-20s and I am not financially independent despite <laughs> um, my parents and the rest of the baby boomers having that opportunity. So yeah, I'm pretty millennial in that okay. way. Okay, perfect. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You fit in with this niche. Yeah, that's, that's why you have me on the show. Yeah, yeah of course. That's the only reason actually. There are like tons of baby boomers who are like really famous people who want to get on your show, a bunch of people oh, from Gen yeah. Z. And you're like, sorry, I can't do it. Sorry, Nicki Minaj. I know oh, you're yeah, Gen Z not. or not Gen Z, Gen X. Yeah, I know you're Gen X. X, but can't, can't be done. Billy Eyelash. I'm sorry. You're Gen Too Z. Young. Too young. Sorry. You, you just don't fit time. in. Maybe, maybe if I have perks of being a Gen Z, yeah. uh, you know, that's the spinoff show actually. So uh, I'm sorry. I kind of leaked yeah. that a little early. <laughs> Embarrassing. Okay. I, I forgive you. Maybe your little sister can um, be the <laughs> host of that one. I mean, the two Valars in the podcast universe. I don't know that's, if the world can handle that. That's a lot of V's. Yeah. <laughs> Alliteration. That's a lot of V's. That's quadruple V's. Yeah. Good. So, Lucas, how have you been, buddy? You, I, you just had a birthday. I did just have a birthday. It was awesome. I was indoors most of the day, and then it got really hot. My power went out, and I came home, and it was 9 p.m., and it was 91 degrees in my room. Oh, my gosh. So, it was wave. pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool because there's, like, a heat wave, and then there's, like, ash, like, raining from the sky, and then there's, like, a COVID outbreak, and there's, like, pretty so the much. the apocalypse is now. Yeah, like, three of the five horse or four horses of the apocalypse <laughs> kind of wild but it's no biggie you know yeah, business yeah. as usual oh awesome mm-hmm. um yeah i actually have been seeing some of the pictures of like the ash in the air and it it looks very ominous i can say that i'm not a fan of it no, um i wouldn't either yeah i i don't go outside because i don't want to breathe it in and i don't want to look at it and i don't want to be in it 
because it's hot and it's like just trapped in with all the smoke and the clouds and stuff like that and it's just just a pretty miserable situation altogether yeah. so, pretty are cool they, stuff are they evacuating anywhere where you're at i don't think anywhere near here i heard like tracy is evacuating and that's like 35 minutes southwest of me 20 30 minutes southwest of, 20 minutes southwest of me so i don't think they're evacuating us yet but um and i don't think we will be evacuated but um they're evacuating a bunch of different places in the bay and stuff like that so yeah, that's really scary. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm telling you, man. It's it's every it's every year, man. Um, kind of I the feel new like this norm. This year in particular, though, has been pretty crazy. <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, not only with like fires. I mean, I, they said it's like four thousand more fires than last year, and the number will probably be different by the time this gets out. So people call me an idiot. Um, but <laughs> on top of that, you know, obviously COVID like was a pretty interesting thing that hasn't happened for like a hundred and two years. So. That's also an interesting, it, I don't know. I just, there's some ways I'm like, oh, this is kind of nice. Like I get to save my money, you know, like I don't have to like, if my friend want to hang out with me and I don't want to hang out with them, I can just be like, sorry, dude, COVID. You know? Like I can't. <laughs> that's such a valid excuse. <laughs> it's such a good excuse. Cause be like, oh man, that's, that's a good point. You know, and even if they don't believe it, they're like, I got to respect your right to believe it. You know, yeah. and I'm like, okay, thank you. I appreciate that. So. No, I still, I definitely believe in it. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I would like to um, hope that America can just eventually become like the rest of the world and be like, okay, maybe we can like take this seriously for a month and be done with it. Yeah, um, just like shut it's, everything down. It's gotten to a point where people are so angry. They're like, look, it hasn't worked. So now we have to open up. And it's like, now you're appeasing to the people who never took this seriously in the first mm -hmm. place and saying, next time this happens, you don't have to take it seriously again. And if yeah. it's worse next time. So it's just crazy. It's, it's kind of a, it's stupid i'm not a fan of it um it's a big deal don't get me wrong um but you know it doesn't stop me from being all you know. let's talk about work life let's talk about where you've been because we actually had um you on the podcast before and you kind of gave us like sure. a very vague idea of like where you started from working those unpaid internships to where you are at now working for a pretty big school district. Fair, um, mostly correct. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't know what I said last time. So if you are a very big fan of this podcast and heard me or just listened to it and are following up because you're like, that's one of the three, let me go back and see how he's doing, which is probably what's gonna happen. Most likely thousands yeah. of people will watch or listen to that and then immediately be like, I need to check up on him in particular. Maybe maybe tens of thousands, hundreds, I don't know. Yeah. Either way. I've been getting the stats, so it's pretty accurate. Yeah, okay, good. I'm glad I'm in at least in the ballpark. Um, I don't know what I said last time, but basically the general gist is I was a very mediocre student in high school, did not care. I was a, a little bit above average college student, started to care. And then when I got out of college, I was like, oh no. I don't know anything. Like I'm not good at working, you know? Um, I was a history major and I majored in history because I knew I could get into college, any college, if I said I wanted to be a history major because it's not an impacted major. And they were like, sure, come in. So I only applied to two schools, the University of the Pacific and Sacramento State University. And I went to Sacramento State University because University of the Pacific is very expensive. Yes. So um, while I was at Sac State, um, I did, learned to love history and I was like oh this is a really cool subject it's a really nice discipline you know it teaches me a lot of critical thinking teaches me how to write how to argue etc cetera, etc cetera. um how to reason right 
Um, so that was a very nice experience. Um, but while I was at Sac State, I also didn't really work too much. I was a tutor for like school age kids, like K through eight, I think first through eight actually. So I would like help with reading and math and help with, no, just reading and math. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, that's just like the bare minimum kind of work experience thing. So when I was done with college, I was like, this is not a good situation to be in. Um, thankfully for me, I had a friend who owned a restaurant, um, in Lodi, California, um, called Angelo's Mexican food. Shout out Lodi. (laughs) Shout out Angelo's. Go eat at Angelo's. They have good food. Although I've rarely ate it. They offered it to me after every shift and I was like, no, I'm going home. Um, but yeah, so I, I worked there as a bus boy for like six to eight months. That was actually during sometimes. You did and take pictures of me. Um, (laughs) like very stalker-esque pictures. Um, yeah, that was during college now that I think about it, because that was like prior to my last semester when I studied abroad in Canada for no reason. So um, <laughs> you want to talk about that for a second? I feel like that's going to take up the majority of the podcast. If I talk about the gist is I was really into film. I wanted to study in England because I loved Hammer movies, um, which is an old horror movie production company from the 1960s, and 1970s. And I thought that would be just the place to do it. So when I went to study abroad, I was like, I would like to go to England, please. And they were like, okay, would you like to go for the year? And I was like, no. And they were like, okay, well, you can go to other countries for a semester, but you need to know another language. And I was like, I don't know that. So they're like, you can go to Canada. So I said, okay. So I went to Canada, to Western University, shout out Western University. Um, And I stayed inside for four and a half months like inside my hotel room or my dorm room because it was so cold. I had never been to the snow before. And the first day I was there, it was negative six degrees with a wind chill of negative eight. Um, I walked backwards to class because the wind was blowing in my face. (laughs) Just that weird American guy over there. Horrible experience. Everybody was incredibly nice. The the stereotypes about nice Canadians are hundred percent true, but um, did that Um, last week or two. I was just like, I don't care. I'm going to, I'm just going to leave. Um, convinced to stay by my mother um ended up not even finishing all my classes there I finished four out of five and I needed all five to get my minor in film so I didn't end up getting my minor in film um so I spent about eight thousand dollars to sit in the cold for four months oh my goodness so I came back oh you go you I think like that says a lot for people who don't know this he's very like He's the guy who knows what he likes. And so the fact that he stepped out of his comfort zone into going to a place that is so different from where he lives was saying a lot. And he was step, he was really breaking those boundaries. So kudos a, to you for even trying. Honestly. It was a growing moment. I do appreciate that. There was a lot of growth. Granted, I was by myself. What else could I do? Um, I was indoors and my Canadian roommate had the heater to like 90 degrees so I had to open the window but then it was like 10 degrees so I was like this really weird I was either freezing cold with like snow on my body or like sweating miserable um nevertheless great university really nice professors I got back um and realized oh wait I still don't have any skills I I went and studied abroad but for film like that's not something you can do in Stockton California shout out Stockton California where I live um so I was like let me work at Chili's so I worked at Chili's. Um, wasn't a big fan of that. Um, How long so, were you there? Uh, um, I would say like probably like eight or nine months, I think. 
Gosh, the timelines are like, it, we're in a weird age. We're in a weird age where we're no longer like young adults and we're not really adults. So like I'm getting the adult memory where I don't remember like 20 through 24 in, in chronological order anymore. It's all just like, it's just like this weird. weird. It's like the, the aliens from Slaughterhouse-Five, how they exist outside of time. And like everything happens just in this big, like non-linear timeline. Um, and that's, that's my brain from 20 to 24. But I worked at Chili's. Um, then I started substitute teaching and I was making very good money doing both, but I was also working every day of the week. So I worked like almost like two straight months and I was like, okay, I can't work every day for two straight months. I have to stop doing that. So I stopped working at Chili's and I was a substitute teacher, which, you know, was what it was, you know, you're a glorified babysitter. Um, and I just kind of was like okay I'm stuck at a position where I need to become a teacher but I don't want to be a teacher or I need to do something right so I applied for an internship with the mayor of Stockton who's a quite a controversial figure around here because of various reasons um that I won't go into because this is perks of being a millennial not like some weirdo political podcast yeah so um, if you want more information about that just do the research search yeah do it on your own Stockton don't read the 209 times, but do it on your own. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, this episode. yeah, you could do your follow-up there. And I'm sure after you stock all my social media accounts, which will be linked in the bio below, just kidding, started working there. And that was a pretty cool experience. I didn't do as much work as I wanted to do. I really wanted to have like an impact on people. And I realized like even being the mayor and any mayor really, you have a very indirect impact and you have some like, you know, you have some power, but you don't, you don't like get to, Oh, this business is going to move into town or, you know, it's, it's not like that. So. Did you even have like any sort of interest in politics to begin with? I mean, I felt strongly about things and I certainly have ideas that I don't share with other people because I have interesting political ideas, I think. But, um, I don't think I ever saw myself in politics. And, and I think by the time I was done, I was like, that kind of solidifies it, right? Like even on a local scale where I felt like I could do the most, right? I might not have the biggest impact, but I could have the most direct impact. Yeah. Um, I didn't have an impact. I, I, I had an interesting little um, capstone project about alternative forms of education and things like that. Nothing ever came of it. You know, I really only got to spend however many months there it wasn't it wasn't a very long experience and certainly it's nothing against the office or anything like that but I just realized it might not be for me so, so after, oh yeah at this point did you feel like you had an idea of what you wanted to do long term in your career? oh absolutely not no not even not even a question no and I up until about a year ago I didn't have any idea whatsoever so I uh I met these people at a local water rights agency called restore the delta who were very, um, you know, they were, they were about the San Joaquin Delta, the San Joaquin Delta, um, and restoring it and making sure that the rights were preserved. And I know this is a Southern California based podcast. So if I bring up the twin tunnels, people might turn it off. Um, <laughs> if I gave them my opinions and ideas about it, but, um, follow me on Twitter, you know, argue with me on social media. We'll, we'll be like those old people on Facebook. Nevertheless, um, I worked with them for a while all of these unpaid, by the way, um, the, the mayor's office, they did give me a stipend at the end of it. He was able to secure something for us. So it was really nice. Um, but restore the Delta, another lovely experience, but then they ran into some financial difficulties and were like, we can't pay interns anymore. 
So I was like, okay, I'm kind of out there as well. So the next semester, and I judge it by semester because as a substitute teacher, um, and I still work in education. So like my whole life is just like, there's like the fiscal year, there's like the year in January, and then there's like the school year. And it's weird reconciling all three of those. But um, I ended up trying to work in Sacramento as that's relatively close to Stockton. Shout out to Stockton, shout out Sacramento. Um, and shout out to just NorCal in general. <laughs> shout out NorCal, Central Cal, SinCal, SinNorCal-ish. I don't, I don't know exactly. Um, but nevertheless, yeah, I, I started, I got an internship with the Department of Commerce and the International Trade Administration as in, I don't even remember the title anymore, International Trade Research Assistant. And that's a really fancy sounding name, but I use Google a lot and we didn't do a ton. Um, But nevertheless, it was also unpaid. Oh, absolutely. 20 hours a week unpaid. Um, I believe 20 hours. Yeah, 20 hours a week unpaid. And then I was like, you know what? I'm still unpaid. And at this point, you know, it was 9 to 1 p.m. in the day or something like that. So I was like, you know, I can't substitute teach anymore. So I had to find another source of income. So I went and worked for a lobbying firm in the afternoons. And I know what you're thinking, Lucas, if you have these really weird ideas about like politics and money, why would you work at a lobbying firm? To tell you the truth, I didn't know they were a lobbying firm at first. They said they're like a contract building firm. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And they were, and like certainly not everything they lobbied was really bad. Some of the stuff was really bad and I won't say who they are because they're really great people, really nice people, but they, you know, I, had some ideological differences that I hid from them because I was like, Ooh, this is going to bed. Um, and then they offered me like, Hey, listen, you can come on full time here. You may not make a ton of money, but it'll get your foot in the door. You could be in the Capitol by a year or two from now. Um, and I was like, mm, no, I don't like that. You know? So I didn't do that. And all the while I was also working the front desk at a um, local co-working um, business down in, in downtown Stockton called Huddle Cowork. Shout out Huddle Cowork. Huddle by Launchpad now. Um, Matty Amen is the man. He's my boss. Very, very cool guy. Probably one of the best, if not the best boss I've ever had. And I could genuinely call him my friend. But again, also unpaid. So I was making $500 a month working three jobs for at about 65 hours a week for about eight months. And then the internships ended. And all the while during these eight months, I was like, listen, if anything comes along that pays me, I'm just going to apply right away. And I'm in, right? You know, like I'm, I'm just going to do it. But yeah, for about six months, I'm just applying to no avail and didn't get anything. And then there was just one month where like everything I applied to, they called me back for an interview. Like all these, the California Strawberry Commission, all these different unions, all these different um, lobbying firms, et cetera. I was in interviews constantly. Um, and I had some really interesting like jobs and, you know, benefit packages and salaries and things like that. And I can't, I probably could, I don't think it matters, but I don't want to say my, my company, but they were, they're involved in education and I'm a union rep for an education based union. Um, and they, I saw the listing and I was like, wow, this is perfect. I'm the next teacher. You know, all this stuff matches up really, really well. Um, and they gave me a phone interview like the day after I applied and I was at my other job on the phone with them for like two hours, like in the bathroom, <laughs> talking to them for two hours in a phone interview. And they're like, do you have time? And I'm like, oh yeah. Of course you know, I, I do. <laughs> I just, just, I tell my boss what I do, you know, my boss doesn't tell me what to do. Um, 
yeah so uh on the phone with him for about two hours and i get off the phone i'm like oh my god this is the dream this is the absolute dream two weeks later they bring me in for another interview it's like an in-person interview and i'm like okay the in-person part of it went fine and they're like but there's a test it's a two-part test one part is like simulating your what you'll do on a daily basis as a labor rep and the other part is just like gauging your analytical skills and your writing skills and i was like easy okay where do you where do you want to pick up oh shoot we weren't recording so no one got to see how funny that was i just said something really really funny like hilarious like you guys think about the funniest thing you've ever heard and it's probably even funnier than that but i'm like i can't tell you because you wouldn't get it you can't repeat jokes okay go <laughs> i feel like you would try <laughs> If okay. we had more time, I would tell my three guys in a genie joke. And oh my goodness, if if we re-record this later and you want to end on a joke, whew, I got I got a joke for you. But yeah, nevertheless, go ahead. Okay, so Lucas, before we cut out, you were talking about your interview and how the in-person one was a little different. It was okay, but you know, wasn't as yeah. Great. Um, so I was there and I thought I completely failed the test and I was like, well, there goes that, um, I'm screwed. No, they even told me like, there's nothing you can do. It's just going to like judge your aptitude. And like, obviously if you don't have experience as a labor rep, you probably won't do as well. No offense, but like, you know, you, you, like, you don't understand. Yeah. And not only that, like you can't study for something you don't even, it would be like saying, to a five-year-old okay study this philosophy or like go find a philosophy book and study it there's there's no way to to get the information so um i mean there may have been i just didn't think so and or didn't care enough at the time but the actual test itself went horrible and i came back and i told my mom i was like you know i just didn't get the job that sucked i'm gonna fail it and then i got a third interview where i was like okay and they flew me out to los angeles and i felt really good about it i was sick i was sweating um, and they were like, oh my God, we are so happy you did this, even though you're sick and sweating and coughing and whatever else oh. you have. Um, shouldn't have let me do it, especially in a COVID world. Like now I'm like even more thinking about it that way. Nevertheless, did it, got the job, found out I was like the youngest person they've hired in my field office in like absolute years. Oh, wow. like, oh and, and one of the big things was like, you did so well on that test. I was like, what? <laughs> like, I, oh what? my gosh. Had no idea, absolutely no idea. And they were like, you did a very, very good job on the test. Just said things like, oh my God, if we could find more Lucases in this area, we'd be set. Very good thing. I was hired. They've said very nice things to me since, and I really enjoy it. Um, in way, shape, and form, and I, I enjoy my job and happy to have gotten very lucky and been hired. So um, that is the general gist of my career journey up to this point. So exactly, like, what are some job duties that you do on a day-to-day -day basis? That can be kind of a difficult thing to answer just because, like, you know, I, as a labor rep, you kind of wear a lot of different hats. You know, like, on one hand, you're an advocate for members. So, like, you deal with any kind of, like, if someone's in any trouble or if they're running into any issues with the district, a lot of people have, like, insurance worries or not insurance, but, you know. The money troubles, you know, payroll, things like that. And then certainly you're advocating for your members on their behalf. Certainly there's a component where you want to 
organize your membership and make sure that they know their rights, they know what's afforded to them, they know what they should and shouldn't be doing at work, what they can be asked and not be asked at work. Um, a lot of the times you're dealing with members of school districts, um, and that's where I was like at the very beginning, I was like, mostly right, but um, I actually work for, for a union, but in a few different school districts. Um, shout out, I'm, I can't say, Probably. shout out to a few uh, school districts in the area. Um, but yeah, and, and to varying degrees of success and, and obviously managing personalities on both sides, whether it be the membership or the, um, the district, you know, the, there's, there's a lot to be done. There's obviously contract negotiations, things like that. Um, there's obviously with COVID, there's a whole negotiations regarding that and, and what work looks like now that students aren't necessarily in school. Um, there's, there's a lot to be done. Um, and there's a lot of good that you can do. And that's particularly why I like it. You know, I have a lot of other labor reps in my office who share our success stories and they get some great deals on behalf of their members. And, you know, one of my school districts has this incredible health benefit plan that is like unmatched anywhere in the state. And I'd love to take credit for it, but that was the, the members of the school district who had done that in years past. But it, it really is a great feeling. I was just on the phone with someone earlier today who's like, you know what, I want to join. I want to be an advocate. I want to work for my union brothers and sisters, a very communist term, brothers and sisters, almost like comrades. Um, but that's general lingo in, in the biz. Um, but yeah, he was like, dude, I, I want to, I want to advocate on their behalf and, you know, getting people who are excited about it and interested in it just makes me excited about it and interested in it. It's a lot of fun helping people. I get calls from people who are like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might have to like quit you know am I going to get fired for this what's going on and you have to like talk them through absolute moments of crisis like you know people with heart conditions who can't work and they have to find that you know how am I going to survive you know my my house I'm going to go under you know I'm going to lose my house if I don't work but I can't work what do I do so you have to find ways to get them to work or you know find ways to get them employed and keep them employed and keep them on any kind of leave that's available or any kind of disability workers comp anything they can go through to kind of save their livelihoods and things like that because it's it's you certainly deal with people in absolute moments of crisis i'll put it that way so lucas it's <clears throat> as though like you were kind of going through just different avenues to discover your passions and what something that would bring fulfillment to your life. So you were a history major and then you found a love for that and you wanted to do film and you went to Canada to pursue that. Um, and then taking on all of these different internships, do you feel as though like you have like a solid idea of what your future looks like and what your passions are for your career? I mean, I, I like to keep my ideas open. Like, you know, even the idea of law school or something like that isn't out of the realm of possibility. Um, but, you know, it definitely when you're in something that you love, you're paid adequately, you're giving, you're given adequate benefits and, and you're in a situation where, you know, you like the people you work with. Certainly you're in a good position, right? Um, it seems nice, man. You know, I, I've worked other jobs before and I've thought to myself, God, I couldn't imagine being here for more than a year or two. I couldn't imagine being here for five years. I couldn't imagine anything like that. And I think about my job now and I'm like, oh, I wonder what next year is going to look like at this time, you know, going by school year. I wonder what, you know, I wonder if, if, you know, when this happens, what's, what's that going to look like down the line for our members? And I'm thinking five, 10 years down the line, 
you know, when, when minimum wage is fully up to $15 an hour, that's going to be difficult for us to negotiate mm -hmm. as far as the salaries, blah, 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 right? All the intricacies yeah. of everything. But I see myself, you know, unconsciously or subconsciously accepting that I want to be in this role for a lot longer. Um, and I certainly do, like, you know, it's, it's all similar, you know, public sector, you know, pol politics, policy, um, even some economics and things like that in, in that area most of what I've done career-wise, but I feel like it's, it's been like, you know, it's, it's been kind of a, a bridge between a bunch of different semi-related things. So I have a, a general idea of a lot of different things. And certainly even in my job now, I know way too much about a paraprofessional's day and what that looks like, you know, for to not have been a paraprofessional, yeah. right? Um, it's interesting. So, okay, what advice would you give to someone who's like freshly out of college, they're in the middle of this pandemic looking for a job, and they feel like they have no hopes, no prospects, they just feel down in the dumps, what advice would you give to them? Um, keep doing it, because I felt like that for four years, um, just like, I'm not going to get anything else, I, I got to settle, I got to go back to school, I got to get my credential, I got to become a teacher. Um, it's, it's really lame because everybody's like, just keep at it. It gets better, blah, blah, blah. But they're right. Like they say it for a reason, you know, like people don't say that stuff for no reason. Um, and it's going to look hopeless. And there were so many times where I was like, I, I'm just, I got to just cut my losses and do this, you know, I'll come a manager at a Taco Bell and make $60,000 a year, you know, Hey, if you're a manager at Taco Bell, that's great. If you work at a Taco Bell, that's great. Right. But I, I'm certainly saying like, you know, there's dignity in all work. Don't get me wrong. Exactly. But, um, but you know, like there are going to be times where you're like, I'm stuck in my same place. Um, and I hate to get like that whole bootstrap, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstrap. I, I hate that, that idea. Um, but you know, it comes from a place of, of, or at least the idea behind it is correct. I think, you know, oh, if I don't have healthcare and I'm like, you know, working two jobs, I'm a single mother, I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps, obviously. But like, I understand why they say it, right? Because a lot of people, if you can afford to take on an additional internship or volunteer, or do something that's going to boost your resume, try because I think, um, you know, setting yourself apart in any tiny way can really absolutely pay off in the long run. Like I, I think all of my work experience added up to get me the job I'm in now. I think if I hadn't done one, I may not have gotten what I got now. Certainly substitute teaching, a lot of people look at it like it's a, you know, you're not really doing anything. I even looked at it like I, I wasn't really doing a ton, right? But I think having experience firsthand in education and working with paraprofessionals and working with classified and certificated and management people in school districts, um, helped in what my employer saw in me when they first saw my resume so definitely do that definitely write your resume a million times and write it over a million times and write a really nice cover letter or steal a good cover letter from your friend and write it with your job experience um, remember to change the phone number change the phone number change the name put your job experience in but if they have like a nice like opening paragraph and stuff like that just take it i, I did that a million times um, it's very helpful. Um, just keep plugging away. It's just, it's about quantity most times, you know, just send out a hundred resumes because I'll tell you, I got about, I told you that month where I had probably eight or nine interviews and I got about 13, 14 calls back, et cetera, et cetera. But I probably sent out about 300 applications mm -hmm. in 
the preceding month and probably close to 500 applications in general um, during that time frame. So, you know, you're not going to get a call back from most of the places where you want to work. And like, I describe this place as like, oh my God, this is a dream job or whatever I said, right? There were probably 10 dream jobs before this place. And there probably would have been 10 more afterwards. So um, don't get your feelings hurt when you don't get what you want. If you want to be that and that's all you've ever wanted to be, um, work as hard as you can to get it. But, um, you know, it's, it's a tough job market out there. And I certainly don't hate on anybody who can't get it because I couldn't get it for a really long time. Um, and I could get into why I think it's a tough job market. I can get into why I think it's tough on people our age and blame a lot of old people um, and old, old people. But, um, you know, it, it's the reality we're faced with. And, and unfortunately, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. It might not even get better anytime soon. It probably won't. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm in it for the solidarity with my brothers and sisters who have very difficult times finding adequate work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and just like hearing you talk about what you do now and how um, your job is really to advocate for those who can't really fight for themselves, you can just see like your love and your passion for helping others shine through that conversation. So that's pretty cool um, that you're able to to refine those skills and those passions. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, and just you know, being your friend and seeing you do all of these things, like I don't, I didn't know necessarily what you you did exactly. I knew that we'd have conversations, you and just hearing your passion, like you can't necessarily tell me exactly what you do because it's confidential, but the fact that you you found your passion and you found something that is so worth fighting for, it's just like so inspiring to me. Um, you know, I, I look up to you in that regard, you know, not only because you're slightly taller than I am, but you physically have to. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I physically have to. Um, no, but I think it's it's such an incredible journey that you've been through, and I think it's really beneficial for other people to hear you and to know that there is hope. There is light at the end of that tunnel. Yeah. Um, because you put in the work. It was mostly unpaid, um, and you were kind of dipping your toes into all of these puddles that eventually brought you to, you know, your, your lake. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, it's really cool, and that's part of the reason why I wanted you to come come on this podcast yeah no absolutely I I appreciate it and I appreciate everything you said about looking up to me I'm seven foot four that's why she has to look up to me I'm actually really tall um no but and and what I will say as well I don't know how much time we have left but um you know I was lucky enough to be in a position where I could take unpaid internships um I was living with my parents who were very supportive of me who didn't I mean, I wanted to pay them as much money as I could per month for rent, but they never required it. And certainly were never said a word when I forgot, quote unquote, forgot to pay them for a few months here or there. But, you know, I know not everybody's afforded that um, right and responsibility and, and, and everything like that. So, um, you know, it may seem like I come from, I do, I come from a position of privilege and it may seem like I'm kind of just this prick who, oh, yeah, just put your head down, work harder, you know. Um, cause I know not everyone can do that. Yeah. And I wish I had an answer for everyone that couldn't do that. Um, because those people deserve it more than um, they deserve it just as much as anyone else. Right. Um, but it's an unfortunate fact in the current situation we're in and, and everything that goes along with that, where we're geographically located in the world, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, if you're not in a position where you can get something a little bit for free or, or this or that 
you're, you're going to have a worse time. Um, and I think that I'm happy enough to be in a position where I advocate for people who make $14 an hour and that is their career, you know, I advocate for people who are, you know, what some people would be consider the working poor. Um, because I think those people need someone on their side because I think that they haven't had someone on their side for a very long time. And I think that the world, the country and most people's ideas in this country and um, the people who make a lot of money have made a people or made people who make a little bit of money um, angry at the people who make almost no money. So um, I want to kind of have a say in somewhat reversing that and just, and just showing people that there's dignity to all work. Like I said, if you work at a Taco Bell, man, that's a grind. That's harder than being the fuck high up in Taco Bell. If you ask me, you know, like, yeah, no, I'm actually doing the work, point. you know, like, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, if you're doing the work, if you're in it, I'm going to respect you no matter what. Um, I, I would respect the workers more than the management in most scenarios. And I'm getting a little into my weirdness uh, regarding politics and things like that. But, uh, but that's just, that's just how I feel. Okay, guys, that concludes today's episode. I would like to thank Lucas for um, coming on the podcast today and just disclosing a lot of useful information and tips about getting a job. Um, If you guys liked this podcast, please subscribe and rate it and recommend it to anyone that you think is in need of this advice. Um, So I'll catch you guys next Monday. Thank you for listening. Bye.